Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. Hey, I'm not Pastor Keith, and Brandon didn't pray for me in this moment. So uh, hopefully this will be good for the next few minutes. God, help me in this moment. Thanks, Brandon. (laughs) Just picking it with you. So, hey, I'm Alan. Nice to meet you. If I haven't met you yet, thanks for being here if you're our guest. Um, We like to have fun around here a little bit, too. Got to make it a little more human and normal. Um, So uh, I'm going to bring a little bit of a word for us, the introduction. If you've been here for the first couple of last couple of weeks, we've done this kind of tandem preaching time. So Keith's really going to bring a word in a minute. I'm just going to get us set up, I guess. Pray for me. So um, uh, I'm glad we're in in from the weather. Um, My hair is getting messed up out there a little bit, too. So I feel you if your hair is messed up from all the rain. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, again, if we haven't met before, I'm Alan. I, I'm on staff here. I get to work with all of our teams here at the church, and so it's a good time. And we are in week three of our Christmas at Journey series, which we've been kind of following along the Advent calendar as well. So if you're familiar with that, or if your kids have done it through our Journeyland situation, um, you need to kind of know where we are. But I'll catch you up if this is your first time. So can we, can we do this? So week one, Caleb talked to us at the beginning as Pastor Bobby preached the message. Caleb talked about hope and how we need to have hope and where and who we can find hope in. And as you, if you remember that weekend, a lot of us were sad on that Sunday because we had lost hope in our Georgia Bulldogs who lost the day before. Um, and so we knew we could not find our hope in them. We had to find our hope in Jesus, the person of Jesus. And then last week, Pastor Tracy talked about peace and how we're, who and how we can find peace and where we find peace in the person of Jesus. And how, man, and maybe in your life right now, things aren't great. Life's kind of crazy. Circumstances are crazy. It's hard to have peace. And he talked to us last week about how, who and how we could find peace. And so this week they thought, you know what? We have the perfect person to talk about today's quality because I exude this quality in us. It's, I mean, you, when you think of this word, you think, ah, that's Alan. No, if you don't know, I'm just being sarcastic. The word is, oh gosh, joy. Almost dropped joy, my bad. So today we're talking about joy. That was not on purpose. Um, and so we're going to hang this up before I drop it again. I'm sure that's going to be a video moment at some point. Thanks, video team. So joy. Talk about joy. Because the, really, the reality is when I think about this word in my personality, I want the realness of something. Like to me, joy kind of has a, it's too flimsy. Because really in our world, we seek after happiness, Right? Everything we do, what we eat, what we wear, um, all the stuff, the things we get, all we get because we want to be happy. But I don't think happiness and joy are the same thing. In fact, Google, but here's how Google defines it, and I'm not sure if it's the best definition, but here's what it says. Joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And I'm kind of like, I don't know about that. See, I want a real joy. I want something that's going to last, that's dependable, that doesn't ebb and flow with all of life and all the craziness that happens in life. I want to be able to find it, get it, and keep it. 
And I'm afraid that so many times we think of happiness or a feeling, those things kind of come and, come and go. So where do we find this kind of joy? Well, today you're in church, and so we're going to talk about the Bible. And actually, we're going to go to the story that kind of sets it all up. And in fact, we're going to find this in Luke chapter 2, which is where the Christmas story happens. And in fact, in Luke 2, we're going to read down in verses 10 and 11, Jesus has already been born, and the angels have come to talk to the shepherds. Now, anybody in here a shepherd? Anybody in here been a shepherd? Yeah, got one? Cool. I've had one in each service so far. That's amazing. Um, You're outside with sheep. They smell bad. It's not fun. Probably kind of boring or frustrating. Anybody seen that? I think I showed it a couple years back. Anybody seen that video of the person pulling their sheep out of the uh, crack and it runs and jumps and then it jumps straight back into the crack? Right. That's like that's the life of a sheep. I mean, it's like this is really. And the angels decided to show up to them to announce something about Jesus. So we're going to read Luke chapter two, verses um, 10 and 11. And here's what it says. But the angel reassured them, that's the shepherds, don't be afraid. Why were they afraid? Because angels just showed up in front of them. (laughs) I would be afraid too, right? He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And what is this joy? The Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. See, these verses tell us how and who we get joy from. It's the person of Jesus, not circumstances, not when things are going well, you can have joy. You can have joy in the person of Jesus. Now, this was really impacted me a long time ago, almost 20 years ago now. So um, I started in ministry working in a church uh, 20 years ago, January 1st. And I worked in my home church, like where I grew up in church, here in town. Um, And it was a smaller church. Um, I had gone there my whole life. I'd worked with middle school and high school students as a a college student. And then after I graduated at 25, I became the youth pastor at this church. Now, let me kind of give you a little more of that story is I had a youth pastor who was also our worship pastor. It was one dude doing two jobs. And so we got to help him kind of make sure things were happening. And we looked at him as... Um, really just our travel agent and our parent protector. Meaning we got to do all the fun stuff. We got to hang out with the kids, do all stuff. And then when we did something wrong and parents got mad about it, he would take care of the parents and make sure that we didn't get in trouble for it. He took it. And then he made sure we didn't win on all of our trips and camps and all that kind of stuff. That's how we looked at him. But after a few years, he left. I became the youth pastor. So at this point, now I got to deal with parents, right? Which how many parents we got in the room? How many of y'all have ever yelled at a youth pastor? Nobody? Oh, man. We have a new one. You just saw him earlier in the video. I want you to yell at him at some point um, just to make it. You've got to experience these things. Um, but I had to now deal with parents, right? That was my job. And I had one parent. We'll call her Mary um, because that was her name. And, and just like the Christmas season, she had two sons and one Uh, girl in our youth group. And her sons, just to be honest, were a little difficult to deal with. And so in my first year of ministry, I had a couple of run-ins with this mom, Mary, trying to deal with her sons. So we dealt with that. But even in this time, something crazy happened. So her husband, who was a military doctor, um, was diagnosed with brain cancer. 
and it was terrible. Um, the suffering, just the, all that went with it. He was here at Fort Gordon, um, and then he would go up to uh, D.C. and do the hospital stuff there. He was in experimental treatments, all kinds of stuff. I think it was ended up being seven years of just dealing with this cancer in and out. And unfortunately, um, and this obviously wasn't, this was my first time at that point, but unfortunately hasn't been the only time I've had to deal with this in ministry, he ended up passing away. He ended up passing away in his home right across the street in Rivershire. And I remember getting that phone call from the daughter, telling me what had happened, and like, okay, I guess I need to go over there and deal with and be a pastor and be a minister and do the thing that I'm supposed to do with this family. And so when I get to this house in Rivershire, um, I could still take you to it right now, um, I'm ready to kind of like, okay, what do I say? What do I do? How do I, how do I deal with this? And when I talked, Frances answered the door, I'd met with her, and then I met her mom. Man, her mom just had this quiet, still confidence and joy in who God was and what God was doing, and that her husband was healed and in a better place, and that she would see him again, but that she had a love for Jesus and a joy that just took my breath away. I'm talking to you about it 20 years later. And so it was an amazing moment that only could happen. And I wondered in that moment, how does this woman who, he was the sole provider for their family, now gone, what, what does life look like for her? And yet she still had this quiet, you know, still confidence and joy in who God was. And it reminded me of this verse in Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. And here's what it says. It says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. You will show me the joy in your presence. This lady had it and I wanted it because she had it. She ministered to me that day when I was the one supposed to be showing up to minister to her. So what about you? Where do you find this kind of joy, this real joy, this permanent joy, this trustworthy joy, this dependable joy, this lasting joy, that kind of joy is found in Jesus. It's that thing that's deeper than your circumstances. That kind of joy is found in Jesus. That thing that helps you when life is not going as expected. That joy is found in Jesus. And that life that we're all searching for, we all want it. We're all after this happiness. That joy is found in Jesus. So what we've been doing these past couple of weeks is we've been praying together. Two weeks ago with Caleb, we prayed right here in this moment, which we're going to do again in a second. Last week, we prayed with Pastor Bobby at the end of the service. But we've been trying to take these moments of corporate prayer, us as a community, praying together, words out loud, because we think there's something to it. Like, I don't know what you came in here with today that you're like, you know what? I don't want to pray. I don't feel like praying. Life's not good enough to pray right this moment. But we, we still invite you to pray with us. Because there's something to it when we pray together, when we hear the words and our prayers spoken to Jesus at the same time, that can do something that we can't explain, but we see it happen all the time. So would you pray with me in this moment? These words are going to be on the screen, and we're going to finish up here. Here's what it says. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this third week of Advent, let us remember that the good news of Jesus' birth has the power to bring us great joy this Christmas season. Our joy isn't dependent on what is going on in our lives or in our world. 
It isn't dependent on the gifts we give or the gifts we find under the tree. No earthly thing can ever give us complete joy. Our joy comes from you. The joy experienced by the shepherds, the angels, the wise men, Mary and Joseph, is the joy we can experience today because of the gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you're new to Journey, uh, my name is Keith Walton. I'm the campus pastor at our uh, South Augusta campus at Sherwood. Um, We, as Alan has already uh, mentioned, we're in this series called Christmas at Journey where we're looking at the Advent. And before we get started, I just want to be very transparent and truthful with you. Even though I did grow up in church, I did not grow up hearing this word Advent. So I had no understanding of what this thing called Advent was. And the very first week when we talked about hope, something dawned on me. When I was growing up, I didn't necessarily find my hope in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ as a child growing up. My hope was in this thing called a Sears and Robux catalog. That I would just sit down, me and my sister, and we would go through and we would circle all the things we hoped for. We would go through the magazine and we would earmark the pages that I hoped my mom would see when I put the magazine right up under her pillow and she would see it and flip through it. So we circled it, we earmarked it, and I'm hoping that up under that Christmas tree will be the green machine or the big wheel or the bicycle or the easy bake oven that I've got to eat these cakes that my sister make that we cook with a light bulb that took three hours yet they were still raw in the middle. And I hoped it would be good and I hoped I wouldn't get sick. But this, this Advent thing I, 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 didn't, I didn't understand it growing up. And then the week two, was Alan talked about, it was, it was peace. And I find it ironic, and Bobby talked about this too, that during this season, it seems that we are not peaceful during this season. The hustle and bustle of, of Christmas parties, and I got to go here, and I got to shop, and I got to fight the traffic. And I know this isn't like Atlanta, but a lot of us don't even like driving on Washington Road. Because the chaos is, this season is very chaotic. And I talked to the Sherwood campus uh, last week when it was about peace. And I said, you know, there's an irony with this season and we should be celebrating the peace that Christ gives us. But it seems like we're so uneasy and so unat rest. And I looked up this thing that happened in 1983 at every Toys R Us. And, every, and the Macy's in New York City where the lines were wrapped around the stores for this vegetable doll <laughs> that everybody had to have. This, this cabbage patch doll. And when the store clerks opened the doors of the stores, it was anything but peaceful and Christ-like. You saw mamas throwing hands. You saw dolls flying through the air. It was, it was horrible. It wasn't very peaceful at all. 
And then we get to this thing that Alan talked about today, that he put a star up on the tree, this, this joy, this joy that we're supposed to have throughout this season. And he's correct. I did not care for the Google Webster Dictionary of Joy. I thought it was kind of shallow. I think that we should have a little bit more meat on it. And so I looked up the biblical definition of joy, and it really is this. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is a byproduct of you knowing Christ Jesus, you growing with Christ Jesus. It says it's a fruit of the Spirit, comforting and content and full of peace, an enduring attitude of the heart and of the spirit. So I got to thinking about when, when have I seen this joy? When have I seen this joy? I know two years ago when Georgia won that national championship, I wish there were cameras that could have just videoed you Georgia fans because you lost your mind. <laughs> Shouting and screaming and running around, tears being shed. Side note, when I coached, one of the things that I loved the most uh, that, that just filled my cup and had me overjoyed was when you can go as the underdog into a stadium and you just suck the air out of the stadium in this absolute silence. And when the final buzzer sound, you see nothing but cobra heads in the stands. Y'all know what the cobra head is? It's this look. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. And I know there were some cobra heads when Alabama beat Georgia and you were in your house looking at the TV and saying very colorful adjectives. <laughs> Loved cobra heads. But then I, I, I'm trying to figure out, and I was thinking, I prayed, I called my wife on the way here today, and I said, baby, have you ever noticed that when people are in shock and awe of God and just mesmerized, that they do this thing? They don't necessarily cobra head, but they do this. <laughs> don't believe me? I'll show you. So you're out at a restaurant and you see a guy stand up and he drops to one knee as he looks at the love of his life and he's looking up at her and she's like. <laughs> and, and he asks her to marry him and she says yes. And then what ensues are these tears that run down her face because she's overjoyed. I think about many of you when it comes to your sports teams that when they win, you are overjoyed and you have this look. There's a show that used to come on uh, when I was growing up and I'd be at my grandma's house and she was an avid watcher of it. She never missed it. She loved herself. This man named Bob. And he had this show and you would sit in the audience and he would call your name and you would stand up and you would lose your mind running down there to the front to bid on these grits that's on the stage. <laughs> and then when he calls your name, you spin around and you just. <laughs> this this it, 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 it has a it has a look. I, one of my former players just had. Uh, his wife had just delivered her their first child and they caught him gazing in the eyes of his daughter as his daughter was looking up at him and he's in amazement and no words, can't even talk. 
Tears ensue, laughter ensue. This, this look of awe and shock. So I will ask you, when was the last time you were so overjoyed that you couldn't speak? You almost couldn't move. You were just in awe of the glory of God. That is the joy that I'm talking about. And unfortunately, we really only deal with this joy once a year for one month. And I think that is a travesty. I think that is horrible. We should be in this joy 24-7, 365. And so you say, well, Pastor Keith, how do we, how do we stay in this joy? And I'm glad you asked because that's what the scripture is going to tell us. We're going to look at some, an I am statement. Jesus made these I am statements to let his followers know who he was. There was one in John 8 that says, I am the light of the world. There's one in John 10 that says, I am the good shepherd. There's one in John 11 that says, I am the resurrection and the life. And one that you you know very well, John 14, I am the way. Today, we're going to look at John 15, starting at verse 1, and he says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So he cuts what's not that needed to be there. And then he cuts again when he wants to grow it more. That he, that he may, that it may bear more fruit. And he goes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide, everybody say abide. In me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me, everybody say abide. And my word abide, everybody say abide. In you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This this thing called abide. But first, God's word says that if you stay connected, then you're going to bear this fruit. And by biblical definition, one of the fruits that we would bear would be this thing of joy. We cannot bear the fruit of joy separated from Christ. We must stay connected to him so that we may bear this fruit. God's word says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. To that, I will ask you, have you ever been burnt? I have. I have done some things that I am not proud of, that I had to repent from, and the consequence of sin, I have been burnt. I have been burnt by things I should not touch. I have been burnt by places I should not go. I have been burnt by having conversations I should not have. And those things caused me to take my eyes off the throne of grace. Those things stopped me from walking in God's glory and how I was created. Those things, even though I was living, I was being dysfunctional. I was not functioning properly. Those things, because they took my eyes off of Christ. They took my eyes off of him. They caused me not to stay connected. I had you repeat this word over and over again, this word called abide, abide, abide. By definition, abide means to dwell, 
to remain, be present, and to be held and to be kept. To dwell, to remain, be be present, and to be held and to be kept. To To abide in Christ means to dwell with him, means to remain with him, to be present in him. It's not a past thing. It's not a future thing. It's a right now thing. Be present. That's what the definition of the word abide means. It means to be held. Even in those moments of sorrow and grief, to be held, to be kept. Well, Pastor Keith, how how do I do that? How do I stay to where I remain in him and I'm present with him and I dwell with him and I'm held by him and I'm kept by him? How do I do that? Well, we're doing it now. One way is to worship him, which is when we come to church, we lift up uh, our voice and we sing songs of praise and we worship him. We leave all our baggage out the door and we elevate our heart and mind to things that are above and we focus on him and we're filled up and we can go out and attack the weak. That's one way. That's corporately. Worship, that's corporately. Praising him, that's corporately. We do that on Sundays. But privately, how can I abide? I can abide in him by getting in his word. Man, seven days without bread makes one weak, not W-E-E-K, W-E-A-K. It makes your spirit and your soul weak. We have a real enemy attacking us, and God's word, God's word says that he's looking to kill, steal, and destroy. Kill your hope, steal your peace, and destroy your joy. He's relentless, and he's every day. So when you skip that time of getting in the bread of life and eating that word, it makes one weak. You can't fight them. You struggle. You throw up your hands and you just wildebeest. The only animal in God's creation that when it's cornered and death is imminent, imminent, it will not fight back. It will drop its head and just accept death. Don't wildebeest. Getting in God's word. Another one in your private time is praying. And I say this all the time. You will P-R-A-Y or B-P-R-E-Y. Without failure. You're not praying for your marriage? P-R-E-Y. You're not praying, with that, praying for the friendship that you have? P-R-E-Y. You're not praying in expectation of what's going to happen at church today? P-R-E-Y. The enemy is relentless and he wants to take that joy. Why? Why? Why does he want to take this joy? Well, when we are not abiding, when we're not dwelling, when we're not remaining, when we're not being kept, there is a product that is being produced. One of those things that is not of God that will be produced is anxiety. It will create more anxiety in you. 
Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds. It's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing thing. Here's the thing about anxiety. It steals space in our hearts and minds where God's peace should be. That's what anxiety does. I, I, I think about, you know, we just did uh, Angel Tree, and I'm going to talk about this again at the end. But the individuals that I communicated with had such anxiety about not being able to provide for their families. Not sleeping at night, not knowing that I, I can't get enough overtime, that we're just not going to have anything, and it creates this anxiety. But we should be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Another thing that is a byproduct of not dwelling, not being present, not remaining, not being kept, not abiding in God's word is this thing that has, it's called unresolved conflict. Unresolved conflict steals our joy. We're all going to deal with conflict, but when we let it fester and we don't resolve it and it turns into bitterness and prolonged anger and resentment, it prevents us from experiencing joy. The month of October, I, unfortunately, I participated in a lot of funerals. There's one funeral I went to, they had open mic. And the brother of the deceased goes into the pulpit and he gets on the mic and this is what he says. He says, many of you I have not seen or spoken to in over 20 years. Many of you have not spoken to others in this room in over 20 years. And it has taken the death of a loved one to bring us all in a room. And we're still not talking to each other. Unresolved conflict. You see it at funerals with family all the time. Why do we do that? Why do we let the unresolved conflict steal the joy of dealing with the people that we grew up with? It's family. We should be loving them. We should be pouring into one another, but we don't. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If you want your joy, resolve this conflict, resolve what is separating you from your brother or your sister, resolve what is separating you from your mother or your father, resolve it. Don't let it fester. It's going to steal your joy. Another one is this thing called comparison or envy. Uh, envy makes us feel inadequate and not enough. Some of you may struggle with this. The moment you walk in the room, you start looking around. They're taller than me. They're smarter than me. They're prettier than me. And you have this whole comparison game. We're not supposed to be doing that at all. You are beautifully, wonderfully made. You are a treasure, handcrafted. There's only one of you. Unless you're a twin. 
But then personalities are different. There's only one. Romans 12, 6 says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in portion to your faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This thing of comparison and envy. You know, during this season, we do it a lot too, because you know, Mr. Johnson down the street, they house is lit up like Christmas trees. They got all the reindeer that move. It is, it is in sync with 88.3. You can ride by it and get saved like Jesus would just touch you. So then you go home and you go in your house and you look around, you just got them candles in the window. And you like, man, I got to go to Lowe's because Mr. Johnson, and the next thing you know, you putting all this stuff up. We shouldn't be doing this comparison and envy thing. And the last one that will just cause you to stay, to get separated, to not abide in Christ is complaining, complaining. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as light of the world. When you complain, you look just like the world. And you're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be different. And it's not the fact that you're just out there quoting scriptures or constantly putting it on your status on social media. It's in the way you walk. It's in the way you talk. It's in your interactions with people. Are you being different or are you just complaining? You cannot complain and be grateful at the same time. Envy, complaining, unresolved conflict, and anxiety all have a way of taking our focus off of our Heavenly Father. The angel said, I bring you tidings of great joy. They're giving that to us. Jesus came to give that to us. This is kind of funny. Well, Pastor Keith, how do I do this? John 15, 10, 11 says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Joy, full. When you abide in Christ, you will be joyful because you're connected to the true vine. It just keeps flowing into you. As I look at this tree, though, we can be full of all of those. You can be hopeful. You can be peaceful. And you can be joyful. I hope everybody in here is full of it. All the time. Constantly. Over and over until your cup Runs over. Matter of fact, matter of fact, there's this thing where we know that this, this is, you hear this a lot during this season, it's better to, than to what? It's better to what? Give. Give. When was the last time you gave hope to somebody? When was the last time you gave peace 
to somebody? When was the last time you gave joy to someone? If you took an angel off that Christmas tree last couple of weeks and you brought something back, if you volunteered for Angel Tree, I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Um, one of the reasons why, and I'll try to get through this story as quickly as possible. Um, last year uh, at the Sherwood campus, we opened up the church once a month to the community. They can come shop for food and clothes. And there was this lady that came in and she ended up asking us about Angel Tree, but she had missed the deadline because we, we couldn't sign her up. And there's this huge waiting list. And she ended up shopping for her clothes and getting food and then she leaves. That Saturday, we're in the midst of Angel Tree and everybody's shopping and then she shows up and she stands outside of the church. She don't even come in. She's got her husband with her and her children with her. Husband had just gotten released from prison. She goes to the volunteers. I know I'm not on the list. I'm not expecting anything today, but I prayed and God told me to come here. And she stood outside for over an hour just talking to the volunteers, not expecting anything. And then I come outside, I meet her, I meet her husband, and she tells me that her husband was formerly incarcerated. He had been looking for a job, and he's got a job interview on Monday, but he has no clothes. And I went, girl, I got you. We got this kissing over here. Come. Shoot, let's go. Praying to God that we got this man's size in here. <laughs> hoping, 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 hoping. We get inside. He finds a pair of slacks that fit. He finds some dress shoes that fit. He gets a button-down shirt that fits. He gets a tie that coordinates with the color of the shirt. And then he finds what we don't ever usually have. He finds a belt. Thank you, Jesus. He found a belt. And it fit. It, we don't ever have this. And he's getting this stuff. And me and him are walking out to his car. And I see his wife walking over with a personal shopper. She's crying. She's putting the stuff in the car. He puts the stuff in the car. He goes, baby, what happened? She's like, I, God, I, Jesus, I just can't explain it. But I got to go tell these volunteers what just happened. They're like, I was able to shop for our kids. The guy throws his clothes into the car. He sits on the driver's side. His leg is sticking out. His, his child is looking up at him. His hand falls into, his head falls into his hand. He begins to cry. The child goes, daddy. What's wrong? No response. Daddy, what's wrong? Never seen the father cry before. The daddy goes, baby, nothing's wrong. I'm just overjoyed. Our church did that. And we did it yesterday. And we don't just do it during the season. We do it all the time with our extravagant generosity. We are joy givers. If we can do that personally, when we separate though, and we can give this joy, God is glorified. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to seek your face. Lord, allow us to give joy over and over and over and over again, not just once a year, but every day that ends in why. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. 
If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.